Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to the Modern Drummer Podcast. I'm Modern Drummer's CEO, publisher, David Frangioni, my co-host, Billy Amendola, and we're here featuring the world's most prolific drummers, listening to what they have to say, and bringing to you from inside the studio, the world of drumming. Billy? Hello, everyone. Billy Amendola. Tune in to some really interesting facts on the Modern Drummer Podcast. Welcome to the Modern Drama Podcast. I'm here with David Frangioni and the one and only Ash Schoen. Now, Ash, for those, welcome, welcome. For, for those that may not know, Ash has had 58 albums in the top 10 that he has played on. He had, he's on 17 top 10 singles, and it's, it's, there's no stopping him. It's just, I mean, I've known about him, and I've been a fan for, oh, my God years maybe 10 years now and of course he's in the uk we're here in the us so everyone say hello to ash song welcome thank you so much billy so how are you uh holding up how's everything going everything's going great i mean you know it's obviously it's been horrendous the last year and a bit but um i've, I've got this little place and i've been really really lucky there's been like a a, a steady you know, artists are still, people are, in fact, in, in, arguably got more time than they've ever had before. So there's a lot of people writing. Um, so there's lots of ideas coming through my computer and people wanting to use this place. So I, I, I've been very, very busy. Yeah, um, you, your studio is incredible from, what, the, from the video and the photos. It's called the windmill, right? Yeah, it's just, it was, it, um, there was a windmill originally here uh, when we bought the property. This, it was like a, the ruins of the bottom of a windmill um and then i needed to basically get my drums out of the house or my wife was going to leave me so uh, <laughs> so it was either convert we've got some old barns next to the house it's either convert those and and just it's just the timing of it basically a friend of ours friend of the family said what about the windmill and i was like well it's there's not much left of it and he said well we could kind of restore the bottom section to what it was like and you'd have a lovely round room right across the field um well away from everyone and he said if we build it and make it out of straw bales um then it'll be green you know a green build and also 
that material has turned out to be, you know, straw has turned out to be a fantastic uh, absorbent material. And also outside, people don't hear it outside, but it also sounds great in here. But just by luck, really, uh, you know, it was not, I'd like to say, oh yeah, we engineered it from the, you know, from the top down, but we, we didn't, we just chucked some stuff at the place and it's just turned into what it's turned into. It meant to be. So now that that's on your property, near your property. Yeah. So that's on the field next, next to my house, which. Oh, that's, that's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I've seen, um, and, and, and if anybody does, you go to ashstone.com, of course, um, you have a great website set up and there's the videos you've been posting lately on, on Instagram have been fantastic. And the studio is just, is great. Now, what, 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 so what, what, what drums, like, who do you, what, what drums do you, do you endorse? Who do you endorse? I'm with Gretsch. So with Gretsch. I've been with Gretsch now for five years with Gretsch. Um, nice. So there's a broadcaster kit set up here uh, all the time. One of the things that when I was working, I used to work at Trevor Horn's studio, uh, Sam, um, in, uh, in Portobello, which isn't there now, um, sadly, but it used to be the old Island Records. And one of the things years ago, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I used to say to the guys that the, the engineers and the, and the, and the studio lads, I'd, you know, what's the biggest pain about a drum session? And they would say, well, setting it up, microphones, two hours, eventually get a sound, play on the track, which take, could take 30 minutes. And then we break it all down. And then we, next time the, we have to do the whole thing again. And they were saying, you know, one of the things that's great is if you can leave a kit in a position and then you can tweak the sound, you can adjust the microphones. Each time you record, you might want to tweak it a little bit. And it, and it sort of got the cogs moving for me way back then. Like I thought if I ever get a place, the, the gear's going to stay and I'm going to do what the, what the lads recommended all those years ago. So this kit never moves. Um, the microphones haven't moved in, in nearly 10 years now. Wow. So yeah. how long have you had the studio now? Well, it's going to be 10 years next year. God bless. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Cause I know you've been doing a lot of the sessions. So what, how did you get into the whole ele- like recording and doing all the electronic? Cause obviously you were ahead of the game. Perfect for unfortunately what went on. I, I know it's bizarre. I mean, I basically, so I, I built the place, like I say, to get my, to get all of my paraphernalia out of the house or it was curtains from the wife. Um, <laughs> so, you know, she didn't want any uh, discs on the wall or any of that. It's like, it's a house. It's not a, it's not a rock and roll memorabilia place. And I get it. I get it. You know? So, and it's kind of cool. that I've got a bit of a man den with all my gear from the history, from stuff I played on and, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't realize that that was the greatest Thing ever she, absolutely yeah and uh and so initially we built it just to get my gear in and then somebody said to me what's it sound like i was like good point they said well just a, a producer said just stick a couple of mics up get logic on your laptop put a couple of mics up and send send it to me so i sent it to this producer and he said, the room sounds pretty cool. You know, there's real producers can tell from one pretty good microphone <laughs> what the room's like, you know. Uh, so I did that. And then we started messing around a little bit with a couple of more microphones. And then I thought, I've either got to take the plunge and invest in some gear or just trick it along and, you know, maybe buy another mic, get another preamp. So, and I just, I just bit the bullet and went for it. And, and, I, and I invested relatively heavily in some preamps and um interfaces and and and, and outboard gear and mics and and I, and I kind of went for it and um and not and only like, that then you also learned how to use it. well so that's the thing that i've always been fascinated in when i've been on sessions i've been watching guys all like we all have you know all recording all session drummers you you do a take in the real world in our old blueprint of doing a session you're there you're hired you play on the drums you come in and you sit down and you listen back with the producer artist possibly um and as a pro tools operator and you and i always watch and listen uh to what they're doing and and it's always fascinated me 
the whole process of it. So I, I completely dived in and, and another producer, it was like, so then it was like, which DAW are you going to use? Are you going to use Logic? You know, where, where are you going to, because they're all new to me. Uh, and luckily one of the, one or two producers just said, just dive straight in and, and, and learn Pro Tools. So over the last 10 years, I'm still an absolute novice, but compared to what I was 10 years ago, I, I can almost get, get around it. Um, you know, I'd hate to do a real session with a, with a producer breathing down a neck, <laughs> but when I'm in here and I'm in my own time, I can, I can get a sound definitely now. And I, and I know how my rig works and I know how all of my microphones work in here. And yeah, I kind of, it seems to be working, you know. Well, well, you've you've proven it too because of all the hit records that you played on. So, and a lot of them, a lot of them were recorded there, correct? Well, this is the so this is the next thing. I, I, you know, it's all very well. I'd have, I'd played on albums that were successful before I got the studio, and that's all that's all well and good. But then it's like now I've got to try and convince people that I can do it here. And the biggest one was that it's me that's putting the microphones on the drums, setting the level of on the gain, setting the compression, and then sending the files. And, and all the producers were like, the only way anyone's ever going to believe that you can do it is like it's always been you got to have a hit. <laughs> you know, you've just right. got to have a hit from you here. Have to prove, yeah, you have to prove it. You just got to, no one cares until that happens. And then they go, oh, hang on. This guy, uh, he's had he a, knows what he's, he knows what he's, he's doing. A number, he's had a number one. And we had, you know, <laughs> had a number one relatively early on. And then uh, there was a Grammy uh, nomination for a record that I played on here. Um, and that was a biggie. That was like, okay, that's kind of, you know, not many people took notice, but the people that matter took notice. Right. So like some of the producers were like, hang on a minute. He's, he's obviously getting to the point where he's playing on things that now from here that are starting to create and it, and it's and yeah and then a couple of number ones later it's like okay you can do it and now it's it's fantastic you know and you've even had you've even had major people rent out the studio yeah i've had uh so when i did the the lion king the producer that i worked with Hans zimmer did the music for the lion king but the uh the producer that he used at the time was a guy steve lipson that i've worked with before with trevor horn and uh, he came up, hired it, and me, and said, you know, I want to come and and basically do the session here with me, which is, you know, unusual. But he did it, and yeah, it's uh, anything goes. That's, That's pretty great, COVID, of course. You know, D David, did you want to? Because David's a, an engineer, and yeah, he, he runs studios and builds studios. David, do you have any questions about the studio? Well, it sounds like he's got all the bases covered. I mean, I love the fact that you keep everything set up. And, yeah. you know, from there, you're going to have a very consistent sound. And everything you do is going to be very deliberate, which in the, the case of having efficiency and being able to go from track to track, artist yeah. to artist, you know, you want to make the call yourself saying, okay, I want this snare drum to sound a certain way or I want to, you know, and, and it's intentional because you know the room and you know the setup so well that it's like, okay, if I use this drum with this mic and this setting, then it's going to have the depth I want or it's going to have the crack that I want. And so what, have, what are some of the things that you've taken from those experiences over the years of having your studio that you can share with other drummers who are going down this journey who want to have, you know, be able to have successful recordings done in their own studio? Yeah, you know, like, so many so many guys now question send me questions about it. it you know it's really interesting how it's changed you know like not that many years ago it's, it was always like oh what's that thing you're doing with your with your left hand when you're playing that groove da, 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 da. it was always a technical question um sometimes you get a gear question you know what snare did you use but now it absolutely uh, you know 95 percent of the time people are asking me like what um so what mic have you got on your overheads? <laughs> you know, um, and what, what snare drum, what's, what's the mic on the bottom of the snare? It's continual because everybody is, is getting into it. And, um, you know, there are some guys that aspire to be playing on hit records. And then there's other guys that all they want to do is 
when they post something on Facebook, they want to make it the best they possibly can. And, and they, they enjoy, like, like a lot of people are now, the whole experience of sticking a microphone on a drum and what, what happens when, when you put that thing there, when it goes down the wire, you know, that sort of, it's almost like it's still pretty mysterious, you know, for me and I kind of know, but it's the magic of it is like something happens when it goes to a preamp and then a bit of outboard gear or, or in, into Pro Tools with a, the plugins, some, some sort of, you know, magical stuff happens. So to, to, to answer your, your question there, David, really, I mean, I guess it, it takes time and, and, you know, I, I always say to people, just start with one or two mics. If you know, if you're a novice and you're getting into it, do, try not, if you can help it, try not to buy, you know, everything and just jump straight in because that that's really tricky. But if you can get a couple of microphones sounding good and under, starting to understand phase, which is the, which is the biggest deal really with drums. You know, when you get so many microphones, uh, on on an instrument and they're in all sorts of different positions and the sounds hitting all those microphones at different times then there's this, this the phase um you know, i guess simply put you want you want the speakers and the microphones and the sound to move all at the same time and that's when you get the fullest most solid uh consistent sound and if it if it's hitting microphones at different times if the snare drum's hitting a mic at a different time it's going to actually physically move your speakers your speakers are going to be wobbling around and then you get it starts to sound a bit weird and that often is 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 a is a phase issue so i i always say to people try with one mic get two mics sounding good get a third mic and build it from there and take just take it easy and take little steps and you will you know not only uh well i think in the end the result of the sound will be better but you'll have a much more sort of comprehensive understanding of it all if you take your time it's like everything if you jump in on a david garibaldi groove right in with both feet it's gonna it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna knock you off your bike uh but if you take your time with david's grooves eventually you'll be able to you'll be able to get them and it's the same with everything. It's the same with recording, I feel. Take it easy. And eventually, if you understand how that one mic works on your snare drum or your bass drum, add another one and just, and just take your time. That's the best advice, I think, really. Great. And what, do, what have you found as some of your favorite snare drums to record? Yeah. And, and on, from a drummer's perspective, what's some of the best sounding stuff you're using that's really uh, yeah. reproducing well? There's one that I'm loving. There's a couple here. So this, this is a uh, this is a Max Roach um, signature snare, and I think it's. I was talking to uh, Lucas von Gretsch, and he was saying these lugs here. I think they call them str uh, streamline lugs. It's 1954, so it's 50s. This. Wow. Um, and it's four inches, um, but I get the fattest sound. Got it's got a black dot on it, a quite a well used black black dot with just now when, when you when you say you get a fat sound, is that because of the way it's tuned? You have it tuned down to that thuddy type? It is tuned down, but what I what I've been experimenting over the years, if obviously if you get a really deep drum and you detune it, you're gonna get a big low sounding, obviously. But what happens when you start playing and there's and there's other instruments that come into the mix is that the lower you don't get any front from the drum so i i just realized a little while ago that if you if you detune a, a shallower drum it retains the sort of front end of the sound so you get like there is still some top from it so you get a lovely fat sound but with with some attack and, and it it's one of the best sounding uh fat backbeats i've got out of that drum really you wow know? And, I, and it's there and it works on so many so many pop things and so many sort of funk things um then i've got another another 50s drum here um where is it here it is so this is a, a 50s round batch um and this is a five and a half and um i think it's bermuda sound they call that and this is a mega sounding drum um 
really kind of contemporary sort of hip hop sounds I'm getting out of it. Um, and if you detune, it's got a really great rocky sound. I've got I've got about fifty snare drums around the studio, but these two are the these two are the ones I'm going for. The two from uh, the fifties. Yeah, the 50s, right. The fifties ones are great. I've got some fifties uh, K hats which I use all the time. I've got some lovely seventies uh, A hi hats. Um, and I was very lucky. I, I play with uh, Hamish Stewart, you know, from the Average White Band. Oh, I love Hamish. Yeah, and I've I've been very fortunate to know Hamish sort of over half my life, and I've played on and off with him. And I was playing a gig in a little club about four years ago in Chelsea in London, and uh, and I, I took my there's a kit there, but I, I always take my cymbals and my own snare, and I and I took these down these these A's, and these are. The, the the same age as me. They're nineteen sixty nine. These um, uh, Paul Francis uh, from from Zildjian recognised the the bell, and he said that they're either sixty eight or sixty nine. And he had a little bit more of a sort of got his, got his glasses on and had a bit of a look, and he said they're probably like nineteen sixty nine. I said that's me. I was born in nineteen sixty nine. Wow. Um, but I was I was using these hats on that Hamish gig, um, and I was halfway through the first set. And uh, Steve Ferroni walks in, which is slightly off-putting, <laughs> if I'm honest with you. So Steve comes in, and, and as we're play I'm playing like an average white band tune, which Steve probably played on. And, and I hear Hamish go, hey, hey, Steve. And I'm like, oh, brilliant. It's Ferroni <laughs> turning. And, and uh, anyway, cut long story short, he did the second set, and I sat on the floor behind him and just witnessed the Ferroni in full swing. Um, and then I got him to sign, sign them. So these are the, wow. These are the Steve hats. Cause he used them that night. Um, and they're, they're fantastic. I use them on pretty much everything. I've got one more to show you. Oh, so, I, have, I have one of those myself actually. Yeah. So 1976 Acrolyte, um, yep. you know, uh, not Acrolyte. Um, where are we? It is a Ludwig uh, Superphonic. Yeah, Superphonic. Yep, correct. Superphonic. It's, it's the alley. It's the alley one um, with the black dot. Can't beat that. Exactly, and it's and I use this on all sorts of stuff. I mean, it is honestly. If anyone said which, I know I'm a Gretchen Dorsey, and I, and I should be telling them to buy Gretsch drums, and they are fantastic drums. But if if you're a working session musician, and one of these is is it's got to be in your in your box, really. So, and oh, that, yeah, that, that, that snare drum in the 70s was probably the most, and the Black Beauty, of course, but Hell, that boy. was yeah. one of the most used snare drums of all time. And they're not, they're not silly money. You know, you can get, you can still pick these up and they're, they're, they're still pretty reasonably priced. Yeah, they're affordable. You know, they're not out of, out of anyone's reach, really. And then they're fantastic drums. And this one gets a lot of use. You know, yeah. let's, I want to remind, I want to, while we're talking about sessions and playing on sessions now, let's get away from the gear. Yeah. Let's get it, let's get into some playing. I just want to remind everybody, like I said, you had 58 records in the top 10 albums. You had 17 top 10 singles. I mean, it's incredible. Some of the people that you've played with, Adele, Rod Stewart, Julian Lennon, Taylor Swift, Ed Sheeran, Seal, Cher, Alicia Keys, um, Ronan Keating, who a lot of people don't know. I've been a fan of Ronan since he was in, I forget the boy band that he was in. Uh, Boys Take own. That. Was that Take That? No, no, that's, a, that's Gary Barlow. That's but, Robbie uh, Williams. And Robbie, Robbie Williams was in Take Robbie That. Robbie Williams, because I love both those guys. Who was, yeah. Ron, who was Ronan in? So Ronan was in a band called Boy Zone. Right, right. Yeah. I always get, and then and, and Robbie was in Take That because a right. lot of people. I, I love. I, I always. I've been a fan of uh, the British music scene for so. I mean, once the Beatles came out, and I was aware of what music came out of England, ABC, yeah. Thompson Twins, all those bands. I mean, I I love all. So, you've played with so and Dua Lipa. So it's like you're relevant. It's not like um, you know, people can say, well, yeah, he played on all this stuff back then, back you know. Throughout the years, at least the last 10 years, you've been so, to this day, relevant of all these people that you've played with. And I think we always talk about this. One, of course, you have the talent. While we talk about the talent, you have a field that is such a 
smooth, beautiful feel that you can that you know comes from your heart. Do you think feel is a natural thing, or what's your feelings about that? Do you think feel can be taught? I know that's a complex question. Yeah, well, it's interesting. People, uh, you know, what's interesting about recording now? If you think about Jeff back in the day, you know, there's all those stories that we know about um, him getting roasted by um, Steve Ricky Dad. Lee, Ricky Lee Jones, and, and everybody play to the play on play to the click, bang, 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 you know, trying to make him play as close to machine like as possible, and he actually. He's one of the only guys I think that could do it and have almost metronomic time. Vinny, of course, obviously, without question, um, and, but still re- uh, maintain that heart in their playing. Um, but what's interesting now, of course, with, with modern recording techniques is that bit, they can do, they can make people in time instantly. You know, you can get somebody who's has been playing for a year and put them in as good a time as any of those 70s records or 80s records you know it's a weird thing you know but what they can't do is is the thing that you've just talked talked about which is now people want movement and they want the feel aspect of playing more than ever because that's the thing they can't program that's the thing they can't emulate that's the thing they can't twiddle around. well they can but it takes them Right, weeks to get it to almost feel like a real drummer. It's like, well, get a real drummer in, and you know that that movement, that exciting movement, and it might only be a little bit. You might still be playing to a click, in fact, but there's still an energy movement when it goes into the chorus, and it might lay back a little bit, but you're still playing to the click, right? You're in time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and they're the things, you know, that I, I think that that really matter and 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 it's it's i think it's really exciting now for for drummers still you know we're still not gone you know <laughs> you know we're still not we're still they're not, not getting they, yeah they're not getting rid of us drum machines that's right. um, yeah they never scared me i embraced it i loved it that's right so did i you know and I, in fact you know one, one of my first gigs I, that i got when i toured was with the band called delamitri and i got that gig because i could play and i still play with that band because I could play to a click and, and back in the early nineties, there were still guys that didn't really feel comfortable playing to a click, you know, in the early nineties. What's your approach to electronics? Well, I mean, most of the time when I'm playing to, to modern pop records, there's a program, there's something programmed in the mix that I'm going to play to. Um, and to be honest with you, you know, it's, it's still the same approach. I still play traditionally how I would play on that, on that tune if, if I was in the band and I, it was, and everybody was in the room. And then it's, it's often down then to the producer that will take aspects of that playing. So like for, for instance, that, that Alicia Keys, I played on a track called Underdog, but also so did um, Stephen Wolf. And we were, we were chatting, Stephen and I, and we're, it's amazing to be honest that they've, that they've, they took my stems, they went over to New York and sometimes you might not even get a credit, you know, the stuff that you played on will disappear into the whole mush of right. the record making process. But what the, the engineer that I work with and the producer that I work with here on that, on that record, they were, they're old school and they're fastidious and they, they marked my stems Ash Sohn. And then when it went to New York and got to Alicia's people, aspects of my playing made it onto the record as also did Stephen. So we're, when we're still sort of debating, is it my hi-hats? Is it my backbeat? Is it his snare drum? So in, in answer to your question, I, I guess, you know, we still, I think most session players will just play instinctively how we play, would play to that tune. And then the producers then in a contemporary way will take aspects of that and use it however however they will. Do you trigger I, your drums? You do I that. Don't, I never trigger. No, one of the things that I'm really enjoying about my studio and, and the sound is 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 the is the processing that's involved to, to make um, to make some of those really cool snare drum sounds or or hi hat sounds or kick sounds. 
I'm, I'm loving that whole process. So I, I, I definitely don't, don't trigger. I, I, um, but I know for a fact that I've probably been sound replaced. They call it sound replaced. So they, they will layer a sample on top of your drum right, right. that you put down. That's a, that's a kind of old. And uh, plugins. There's so many plugins. After you do your session, you never know what they're going to do with plugins and, it's so much, so much can be done and I'm learning how to do it. What, but I'm still traditionally messing around with the sonics of the mics and the preamps and the plugins my, myself and, and trying to process that sound. So it's, it's not a, a, a ever, I never use samples in, in the stuff that people hear, um, you know, on social media. And, and hats off to uh, Steve Wolf because um, Steve is one of the greatest at that, that, you, he gets close to like not knowing if it's a machine or if it's real yeah. or he's, he's very, very good. He's, he's been doing that for us so long. He, so he's, he's very, a, very good at that. And, and, he, and, you know, I think he's, a, he's the same as me. I think he's just sort of tried to keep up with, you know, contemporary sounds. And I, right. Uh, and um, always learning, always learning, yeah. you know, a learn always. a new thing. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 uh, when I, when I spoke to him, we've met a few times and, um, it's really, you know, it's just straight away. We've been in this, been operating in the same world, in different worlds, but in the same place. And it, 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 there's so many similarities in our lives, the way we've learned and sessions and the way things happened for both of us. Um, and it's great. I, I often, you know, we, we chat and exchange on social, on the social media quite often, me and Stephen. Yeah. I love yeah, it. Yeah, Steve, 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 I know Steve a long time. He's a great guy. Yeah, I see, I see him when he's here in New York. Now he's been going back and forth to from here to LA because he's been working out there, and then yeah. he comes back home. That's right, and keeping busy. Um, but I'm not going to let you off the hook. You still right. have to answer my question about if you think feel can be taught. Oh yeah. So um, I think there's a that's a great uh, there's a there's a video I saw of Steve Gad, and a, a guy said to him what what's groove and i'm like this is going to be brilliant and i'm ready i'm ready for steve and he's in his own of course as he does he takes his time and he's like i think um he said i think uh groove is an agreement an agreement between the musicians and when everyone's agreed you know you know where the downbeat is where one is, where two is, and where it feels the amount of swing. When everyone's agreed on, it's that amount of swing, okay. Or this is how it's feeling, essentially. And when they're all agreed, that's when it starts grooving. And I thought that's one of the best ways of, of describing it in, in a, such a simplistic but fantastic way, really. Um, but I think your, your, what you said was, can you learn feel? Right. And I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I know it's a complex question because everybody has a, you know, some people think you can teach someone anything, but yeah. me personally, I think you might be able to show people how to, what they need to get a good feel, but that still doesn't mean that they're going to, to me, I think a feel, everybody has a natural feel they just it's just yeah. something you know like when somebody says to you man you have such an amazing feel you know you didn't work on that yeah that was just that's just you yeah well uh, to, to illustrate that getting back to hamish so hamish isn't a drummer right he's a guitar player and a bass player and he he's, he's toured with ringo and Mac he toured with mccartney for like eight and nine years yeah and i know uh, he was with uh, he was in the band with chris whitman was that's right and uh, and robbie mcintosh was in the band yep. too um, now Hamish isn't a drummer, but often when we're on a gig, he'll just sit on my drums and it, it immediately feels amazing. He'll just go, D -d 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 it's like, oh my. and there's guys are, and the drummers that I know that would just die to have that feel. And it's just, Hamish is a funky guy, you know, he's yeah. just, it's, when he plays guitar, whatever, he's just got that that sort of touch, and he just he's got he's got zero technique on the on the drums, and that's what's so 
fascinating really is actually he doesn't practice he doesn't play but it still immediately feels better than a lot of guys that play eight hours a day (laughs) and and that's and that's just that's just natural because even when he plays the bass he's got unbelievable feel and yeah. you know, let's face it, for Paul to let him play bass, yeah. <laughs> I know the big thing. That, that, that in itself says something you know, right off the bat. So you know, yeah. so yeah, I, I I always I always like to ask that question every once in a while because you know, th- there's so much about that 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 people don't understand. You know, you can be great technically, and yeah. you know, that's the only thing I worry about with all the, the the younger generation coming up playing along to all these, you know records that they love with all this chops and all this you know it's very robotic kind of sounding and that's great to have all those chops and everything that's if that's the kind of drummer you want to be that's fantastic but the drummers with the feel we all know like that feel is your hug especially in a ballad or any kind of song even if it's a dance song that's going to get you moving it's the feel that i mean of course we as drummers we all need to play in perfect time that you can be taught that comes with practice, I believe, you know, uh, that I, can be taught. Yeah, I agree. You can practice your rudiments and practice your hands and practice everything else. But when you sit down to play, I always feel like either you have that, you have it, or you, you don't. Because like you said, there's some drummers, like when Hamish sat down, there's drummers that are great, technically great, yeah. but they, they won't feel as good as somebody, you know, that, yeah. that doesn't play. Uh, it's amazing. It's, I mean, it is, it's, uh, it's worth doing a whole sort of range of podcasts just about feel because you know because man get steve jordan on and and gad and all those guys that well all the and and all the guys like yourself that you admire keltner gad i mean anybody that especially studio people most of the time the studio musicians you know and that that's that's why when disco came out and the drum machines and everything you know that that was a purpose that was just to get people to dance so you really didn't need a feel but then they realized well a feel is still needed so they would have you play i would go in you know when i would do sessions in those days play on top you know the simmons play on top of it so play a real hi-hat or add a snare drum every once in a while in between the machine because they realized something's missing what's missing something's missing it's too like you know it's uh, absolutely um andy newmark for instance Andy's another, uh, and you know that dude. I've seen him play eighth notes, and I've gone, you know, two and four eighth notes. Why does it feel so amazing? <laughs> it just feels—it's ridiculous. But if yeah, you write, yeah. if you write it down on a piece of paper, my eight-year-old daughter can play it. Right, <laughs> right. It's but the, it doesn't yeah. feel like that. <laughs> At clinics, sometimes when modern drum used to, we, when we used to uh, sponsor clinics, we sometimes some of the guys used to have three or four different drummers come up, play the same exact beat. Now, all yeah. these guys were excellent drummers. I mean, they, they could all play. Yeah. But you can hear it's the same exact beat, but you can automatically say, that feels so good. I know. Some, <laughs> not I know, to some put, guys. You know, not to put anyone down, because I would never want to do that. But you can see where it's like you just, your ear and your body and the way you feel just goes to that drummer's feel. I know it's amazing. And, and, and if you, I have, only... you have that, you, you're one of those guys, man, because well, that's very kind. I, I mean, I've always wanted to try and, you know, I've always been drawn to feel music, you know, um, and I've always aspired and I still aspire to when I sit down. One of my things was I want to be able to sit down and play something simple, but make people go, what's, what's he playing? Cause I saw it in action. You know, with with the likes of of Newmark, actually, um, right. you know, and, and Ferroni, like you said, when Steve yeah. came in, again, you know, on that gig that I talked about, when Steve came in and finished the, the second set, basically, and I sat on the floor, you know, I, I was inches away from a guy, and he just counts the band in, and he, again, he's another one. He's just playing eighth notes and very simple patterns, but it. it there's something about it that makes the whole band feel comfortable. Right. And then they find the best spot that they can possibly find. And they, they, go just, into, they, 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 they go into what Steve said about everybody being on the same page, more or less. That's, that's it. And he makes them feel great. And, I, and I've always wanted to be that drummer where people go, oh, I want to play with him again, because it, it sort of feels, feels cool. Because, you know, well, let's face it, 
guitar players and keyboard players, they're not looking at the drums like we look at the drums. Right. They want they want some they want the fundamentals from it really. Singers want the fundamental from you. They want a dynamic. They want you to to push the music when they're when they're in that spot that they want a bit of dynamic push. They they want you to come down. It's it song. That's why songs for me are the biggest the biggest deal really. Yeah, and it's, also and 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 see you have both because you have an amazing beautiful feel. And I try to stress to the younger generation, um, you're also a beautiful person, human. So, a lot, you know, there's so many great drummers and you can have that feel, but if you have a bad attitude, yeah, they, they, they might get the guy that don't have 100% the feel, but he's a great guy and they want to be around him. That's, you know? yeah. So there's something to be said for that. And then if you can get the combination, if you can play and you're a nice fella, Steve Gadd again. <laughs> you'll, well, be working, you'll be working the, until you can't walk. All the guys, right. All the guys who see, they all have that common thread. All the guys who, who kind of like go off the deep end and, you know, their ego kind of gets in the way. They yeah. kind of wind up, you know, drifting away only because nobody yeah. wants to deal with them, no matter how great they are. That's right. Absolutely. So I compliment you on, on that. And I want people to know that, you know, yes, the talent, of course, you have to have the talent and, you know, and, but to, to keep it going, you know, and then, and then proven, like you said, everybody wants, once you have that one hit, then of course, yeah. Overnight, you're a different person. Everybody's treating you like a different person, even though you're the same person, nothing's yeah. changed except now that record, which you didn't even know was going to, could happen or not. Yeah became a hit now all of a sudden you're yeah. even greater than you know every, every everyone's acknowledging you yeah but and the attitude is, attitude is a big thing well I tell you, it's interesting when, when you introduced me and you know uh, it, it's amazing you you went you went down the list of those achievements that I, I feel very lucky to have achieved uh the numbers and all that but if you think about I just I think I'm proud of my achievements but I also I'm very realistic about it and I think about Gad and, and some of those, some of the guys that are still playing and, and like my achievements are absolutely minuscule in comparison to some of those dudes. Um, so hopefully, but that keep, I, I'm not, it's, it's not. They're also, I love all those guys, but they're also older, much older. So sure. they've, they've been doing it now. So you're going to be those guys years from now. I hope, yeah, I hope so. I'm just going to keep chipping away, Billy. And, I, and it's so far touch wood, you know, people, yeah, people, absolutely. people keep, keep hiring me and, and I, and I, and I've kept the same, you know, cause no one tells you, no one says, Oh, the things that we're talking about, no one really sits you down and says, you know, you've got to try and have a good work ethic. You've got to try and get a good sound. You've got to try and make it feel good. Every time you've got to try and, all of the things when you're a young drummer, it's about technique and right, right. sound and how fast you can play. Um, <laughs> right. And then, and actually when you, after 10, 20, 30 years, then you start realizing actually that it is, it's a much bigger thing going on. Um, and I, you know, I've just tried to, to try and play with integrity and try and, let the music dictate to me what I'm supposed to be playing rather than my ego dictating what I'm supposed to be playing or what the, the latest trend is or, you, you know, um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that, and, and as a session musician, we know that sometimes you don't, the part may not be working that they want you to do, but you have yeah. to try to make the producer or the songwriter, or the artist happy. And yeah. you, before you open your mouth, well, before you're asked, well, what do you think? Yeah. You know, that's a hard thing to learn because some guys will go in, you know, I, I've sat on sessions and some guys, you know, the, the songwriter or the artist sit there, they'll play the acoustic guitar and they'll say, I want you to play this on the drums. Now, you kind of know that that's, it's rubbing and it's not, it's not really, it's not gelling for some reason. Yeah. You know, but you can't, some guys will go, no, that's not, that, no. How about this? Before they're even asked or before they'll even try it, you know, they'll say, that's not going to work. 
you know, how about this? So like you said, your ego cannot, it's not about you. It's about who you're, who's hiring you and, and, and what you're, yeah. you know, you're playing on. It doesn't come yeah. down to playing everything that you know. That, that right. gets you fired so, so quick. Yeah. And, and, you know, I learned very early on that all of the things that us drummers might look at and look up to often producers and and most importantly singers really for me it's like what do singers want from us and and often it's not what drummers want from us you know <laughs> they, they want dynamics they want feel um they want support and they, they want taste actually they they don't want you do a drum fill over the top of their chorus right, or, right. or to crash that cymbal at that moment when they're about to go for the chorus or whether in the middle of a really nice note in that, in that verse. But I think these things can't, these are the things that actually I don't think can taste in music. I don't think you've either, some people have either got it or they haven't. And some people right. have got it in bundles. Like they, they play nothing and it's so beautiful. You know, and I, I'm Steve still Gadd. aspiring to be that person. You yeah, know, well, he mentioned, Gadd, yeah, he, he mentioned Steve. He, he, you know, we mentioned a couple of the guys. Yeah. Um, but 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 absolutely. Uh, let's before we go, let, let's touch. I know you've been. Let's touch now on on live playing because you did. You had that balance. You did a lot of sessions and then a lot yeah. of live playing. So I never knew that you were a band member of Delamitri because I I loved that band from from back in when their first album came out. You know, right. in the 90s. Yeah, I and before. I never knew that, you know, I always knew your name, of course. And, and then as years went on, I kept hearing more and more and more and more and more and more. And you won our Reader's Poll last year, which you're up again in the Reader's Poll uh, this year as well. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I, I started to become more and more aware of what you've done. But I didn't know that you were in Delamitri because going back to like, I listened to that as an album. Yeah. And I liked the songs and I liked the, the band. And tell, let's talk a little bit about your experience because you left and then you went back and now That's you're back right. with yeah. a new album coming out next month, correct? We've got a new album coming out. It's on, I think it's the last day of, uh, of April it's going to be released. Um, and, it's, and I'm really, it's a great sounding record. Just the singer, um, it, Justin, is, is really, he's a proper talent. So he plays and, and lyrically writes all the lyrics and he's a fantastic singer in his own right. Uh, he's the bass player in the band, which is unusual as well. So when we're live, that's he's the, there's no ex, extra bass player that's in the back there. He's the guy that's singing and playing bass. Um, and the new record, it's called Fatal Mistakes, and it's I'm really proud of it. Um, I've just done, hopefully, played how, again, same as any other record I've, that I've that I would play on. I've tried to serve the songs as well as I can. Um, and, and the sonically, I mean, and also, I know that band well now. I, I joined Delamitra when I was 24, and I'm wow. 50, and I'm 52 this year. Um, so you know, I know those guys, and I know the, where that music's coming from. So, and I think the record sounds good because of that, because we're all, you know, we're definitely on the same page after that amount of time. But I, yeah, you know, and, I just, you spent, and you spent a lot of time on the road with them in the 90s. Yeah, well, well, back in the day. So when I, I joined, they, there's a, a great drummer called Chris Sharrock played on a record of theirs called Twisted. And he was a really busy session guy in the UK at the time. And he didn't want to go on the road. So Delamitri finished this record and then they needed a drummer. And I was very, very lucky when I moved to London, I, I moved to the same street as the, as the great bass player, Pino Palladino. And I, I didn't know this. <laughs> until, wow. Yeah. Until I was, I was coming back. I was, I moved to London when I was 21. Uh, and I, I came back to my flat with a pint of milk and this guy comes out of the house with a bass on his back. And I'm like, Oh cool. There's a musician in my street. And anyway, it transpires that it's, it was Pino. And a few years later, he heard about, Delamitri needing a, a guy to go on the road and and he put me up for it I went up and auditioned and funnily enough you mentioned him earlier Chris Whitten was auditioning before me and I heard him I could hear him through the door and I'm like this guy's unbelievable and I said who's that to one of the roadies and they said oh it's that guy Chris Whitten I'm like hmm. oh well I've got, no, <laughs> I've got no chance you know absolutely no chance and um 
he sounded fantastic. And I thought, well, he's got the gig. So I went in and I was very relaxed because I thought, well, I'm not going to get the gig. I may as well just enjoy the experience. Um, but, you know, gigs, there's often other reasons why people get gigs. And, I, and I, eventually I, I actually did get the gig. I think Chris might have been a little bit more expensive. Um, <laughs> he'd, just, he'd just come off the road with Dire Straits. Um, I was young and I had passion for going up. They wanted to do a, a lot of touring in America. So we did months and months in America. Um, and I think Chris might have probably got, you know, he would probably would have lost it after a couple of months. Well, did he, was, was that before Paul or after Paul? It was after Paul. So we'd had a, you know, he'd had the most amazing experience of, of touring. Paul McCartney. So, yeah. And Guy then, Straits, McCartney. So, right. you know, he might not have lasted three months on a tour bus with a load of Scottish guys. Um, <laughs> so, so I, uh, I, I got the gig and, and I loved it. And I, and I toured a lot and, and it was right in at the deep end. We Woodstock uh, 94 was my fifth gig. Um, and we supported the Stones, R.E.M., Bon Jovi, Van Halen, uh, Brian Adams, who I ended up playing with a few years ago. And um, so I, and very early on, some really great experiences in my early 20s. Uh, wow. And then I went on to tour with Squeeze. Um, yeah, that's right. For two years, Matt, right? Yeah, about two and a half years I was with Squeeze. And I did a record uh, with them, which they don't talk about much. Uh, <laughs> but that was their last record then then they took a break after that didn't they they, break had, a, up they had a break at that time uh and now they're having, they're having a bit of a renaissance now people are loving them again and they sound they're still sounding fantastic squeeze brilliant british songwriters i know they and they have two drummers that they go they i get confused with them so newmark toured with them yeah at one time and, right. and the, the drummer that was with them originally was a guy called gilson Lavis. yes who, who plays with jules holland and he's fantastic uh, Gilson, and um, then Simon, right? There was a. That's right. They've got Simon Hansen now. Is their is their current drummer? Yeah. Um, so I toured with Squeeze. And I, I toured with Marianne Faithful for about a year. That was Andy Newmark put me up for that because he he just didn't want to tour. And I remember thinking, "What do you mean you don't want to tour?" And now I understand completely. I I don't, I don't really want to. Yeah. I, I I know. Tour, Andy, tour is, Andy is was like my age then, and I I get it now. I'm like, you know, it's like. It's a thing, isn't it? You, you, you sort of grow out of it eventually. I mean, I would tour with the right band if they came along, and I will tour with Elementary again. Um, they've got a tour booked in September, COVID, uh, you know. Um, and uh, Lisa Stansfield, right? Didn't you, didn't I you toured with Lisa, yeah, for, for, for a while. Yeah, that's Lisa, Lisa was popular here for a, for a good number yeah. of years. Yeah, Gavin Harrison used to play for Lisa, and it was Gavin put me up for that tour. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, Gavin in the in the nineties when she was really really big in the UK. That's when I first saw Gavin playing was probably about ninety eight, ninety seven, ninety eight. Um, and yeah, he put me up for it, and I'm really glad he did because I met my wife on that tour. Ah, oh, there you <laughs> go. You see, so thanks, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of people, a lot of people meet their their, their mates and their wives on on, on tour, yeah. which is uh, which is turns out you know it's a it's a good memory, and it's a and then if you weren't on that tour. You know, because I always like to think of, well, if you didn't do this, it wouldn't have led to that. It wouldn't have led to this. It wouldn't have led to that. That's it. Life. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, before before we let you go, because I know we could we could stay on with you all day, and um, David's going to ask you a question. Yes. Ash, tell us about working with Adele. Adele, oh, fantastic experience. You know, a really really fantastic experience. Um, so it's the the. The best bit of the Adele story is I, I toured with Rick Waitman, right? And he had a, he has a roadie that is called Doom, his name is. <laughs> um, and when I, when I, well, basically what happened is this drummer, he had a long-term drummer, still has him, uh, um, a guy called Tony Fernandez, and he broke his arm. I'm touching wood now, but he broke his arm just before a tour and obviously couldn't do the tour. And the bass player contacted me and said, um, Rick needs a drummer for this, for this tour. Are you up for it? I was like, absolutely. He said, wait, he said, listen to the music before you say yes. Um, and I listened to all this, this uh, Waitman stuff and it's, you know, 1970s English prog rock. It was, it was something I'd never really dabbled with, you know, 
So I thought this is going to be a real challenge learning this stuff. Um, so I said yes, and the and the gigs were amazing. We we did uh, Cuba, Puerto Rico, Costa Rica, uh, Mexico City, supporting Asia, uh, and then Leicester, which is in England, which is isn't so glamorous. So there's like sort of five or six gigs, but the point is that they said, "Have you met Doom yet?" Who is Rick's tech? And I said, why'd you call him Doom? And they said, oh, you know, he's sort of, if he won the lottery, he'd be sort of mildly put out. You know, he's, he's just that guy that's sort of like, but actually when I met him, he really, really wasn't like that. He was a very sweet, kind, fantastic. He was probably just, he was probably just mellow. Really, really cool. And, and, and actually, you know, he said that he was he was into Aretha Franklin, and he and he and and he recognised that I like that sort of music, and we got on immediately, and we did the gig, and I remember we were in Cuba, and he said, "Oh, you should meet my mate Fraser," and I said, "Who's that?" He said, "Oh, he's a he's a mate of mine, he's a producer," um, and that's that's the first time we met. I'd heard Fraser's name, um, and Fraser also had played guitar with with Rick. Anyway, cut long story short, I play on a James Morrison song with Nelly Furtado um, called Broken Strings with another, another producer produced it and it was a big it was a hit big hit in uh, Europe number one all over Europe and Fraser was one of the writers of that tune and then the next thing I'm getting this guy Doom saying you've, you've definitely got to hook up with Fraser and then I, of course I've, I've, eventually I got a phone call from this guy he put two and two together He's good. For, he was good friends with Doom, and I'd played on a record which was a number one for him. And eventually, he called me for a session. The first session I did with him wasn't Adele, but it, it probably was one of the early sessions. Um, and what I say to people, you never know. Like, there's a direct connection between Rick Wakeman, like <laughs> 1970s English prog rock, and Adele. Like a definite link. Wow. You know, there's no question about it. You know, if I hadn't done that one then maybe the Adele might not have happened. But often when, when you do sessions, uh, I'm sure it happens in the States as well, you don't know who you're playing for, you just turn up. And I turned up, Fraser said to me, what are you doing Thursday night? And I said, uh, nothing, he goes, great, I've got a session. I went down, took my cymbals, opened the door, and she's just sat on a, on a stool looking at her phone. I was like, oh, it's for her, okay. Uh, and, she was, and, and she was really, really, into the music you know and the record was almost finished so the tune that i played on was it was a song called uh, set fire to the rain um and it was the pretty much the last song that was going to go on the record and she was really excited about it because it was one of the the tracks that really sounded poppy to her um and she she was massively involved like she she was really involved in the, in the way that it fell and the and you know the, my performance, making sure that I was given as much as I could for it. Cool. Well, I want to thank you so, so much for taking this time. I know it's nighttime there for you. Yeah. And uh, again, thank you so much. Thank it you was, Billy, uh, for asking me. Yeah. No, it was, it's, it's, it's our pleasure. And um, I'll let David say goodbye. Thank you, Ash. Thank you. Amazing <laughs> insight, amazing playing. Thank you for all the years of, of great hits, no pun intended. And, uh, and we, uh, we really appreciate your time today. Well, thank you so much, everyone. And thank you, Billy. Everyone. Thank you, guys. Stay safe, stay healthy, and thank you yeah. so much. Keep safe. Thank you.
So everybody, stay healthy, stay strong, keep drumming, and we'll see you next time on the Modern Drummer Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll see you soon. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.